Welcome back to Kentucky History and Haunts. I'm your host, Jesse Bartholomew, and I want to give a few warnings before I get into today's episode. This one falls into the true crime category, and I will have to mention all sorts of sensitive subjects, including, but not limited to, child abuse, rape, assault, murder, and self-harm. If you're sensitive to any of these subjects, this two-part series might not be for you. The rest of you, strap in for the story of Roderick Farrell, Kentucky Vampire Cult Leader. A good part of the story I'm going to tell you today is based on information in the book The Embrace by Aphrodite Jones. She conducted countless interviews with people involved in this case, including Rod Farrell himself and Rod's mother, Sandra Gibson. Jones does admit in her prologue that she takes a few storytelling liberties, but I tried to only pick out what I could find to be absolutely true. I'll also give as much of an update as I can find on the characters in this story at the end of the second episode. Roderick Justin Farrell was born in Murray, Kentucky on March 28, 1980. I believe Rod's mother, Sandra, was 16 when she had Rod. His biological father was rarely around, but when he did show up, the visits were brief. It sounds like he would come by on a whim, play Dungeons and Dragons with Rod, and then disappear again. He did not play a major role in Rod Farrell's childhood. When Rod was an infant, it's alleged that he suffered from encephalitis, or inflammation of the brain, which can potentially cause permanent brain damage. His mother had lots of boyfriends, including one named Kyle, who at some point carved some sort of initials into Rod's arm like a tattoo. Also, Sandra worked as a prostitute on and off throughout his childhood. She also admitted to struggling with drug and alcohol addictions. We'll get into more of Rod's childhood later in the story. For now, I want to introduce you to some other characters. And I'll warn you, there are a lot of teenage characters to keep track of in this story, so... Make sure you listen to this two-parter when you're able to pay close attention. Rod had a somewhat nomadic life, with and without his mother. From what I understand, she would move around for boyfriends, and sometimes she would take Rod with her, other times she would leave him behind in the care of his grandparents. For a while, Rod moved from Murray, Kentucky to Eustis, Florida, which is in Lake County. If you look at a map, Eustis is just about in the smack-dab middle of the state, about 45 minutes from Orlando. I'm not sure exactly what years Rod spent there, but it was long enough for him to forge friendships with two teenage girls, Heather Wendorf and Janine LeClaire. Janine was Rod's girlfriend for a while, but Rod really grew closer to Heather. He and Heather went to the same school, while Janine attended a different school about 20 minutes away, which might as well be another world when you're a young teen. Before Rod, Heather had been a typical teenage girl. She practiced piano and dated football players, but Heather was starting to question her plain, uneventful life as it was in Eustis, and the closer she grew to Rod, the more her parents started noticing small, incremental changes in the way Heather dressed and acted. She started dyeing her hair and dressing differently. Her father, Rick Wendorf, was a bit concerned, but her mother, Ruth, was more tolerant of the changes, chalking it up to her daughter feeling the need to find her individuality and express herself. 
Little did they know at the time, young Rod Farrell was teaching her about being a vampire, immortality, and the concept that the world was going to come to an end in the year 2000. Rod was convincing to a young teenage girl. I think she was about 14 when they met. But he really played the part of the vampire. He had pale skin, piercing eyes, a thin face, and jet black long hair. Heather wasn't physically attracted to Rod, but she was excited by him, fascinated, curious. He was a stark contrast to what she was used to. She started to prefer sitting in the cemetery with Rod instead of going to cheerleading practice with her sister Jennifer, which is where her parents thought she was after school. Heather Wendorf's mom, Ruth, was originally from West Virginia, a farm girl who got married young the first time and had two kids who'd grown up and moved out by the time she and her first husband separated. She met her second husband, Heather's dad, Rick, many years after her first marriage ended. Together they had Jennifer and Heather, and even though they never officially married, she was known as Mrs. Rick Wendorf. The more time they spent together, the more Rod told Heather about his life as a vampire. He told her that he had visions of her being burned at the stake in a previous life, and that she'd been brought back in this life specifically to be with him and help him with his mission. They'd even done a blood bonding ceremony one night. And then they got to the point where he would let her slice her arm a little so he could drink her blood, like pretty regularly. Heather was starting to feel like Rod was controlling her mind. While he told Heather that she was some sort of prophet, he'd told Janine that she was an ancient queen. From what I understand, Janine never bought into everything Rod told them as much as Heather did, but she still enjoyed spending time with him and loved his, quote, wild imagination. One day after a church service, one of the girls stopped by Rod's house with another friend named Eric. They knew Rod was about to move back to Murray, and everyone just wanted to impress Rod before he left. So he convinced them to let him drink their blood before they left the house. Sandra, Rod's mom, walked in on quite a scene that day. Three teenagers in Rod's room, shades drawn, incense burning, in bed, drinking each other's blood. She quickly kicked the other two out and warned that she'd call the police if she ever saw them again. According to Sandra, after they left that day, Rod held a knife up to her throat, warning her never to embarrass him like that again or he'd kill her. Sandra and Rod had a strange relationship that we'll go back to again and again throughout this series. Multiple people who knew them said they were often flirty with one another and acted more like boyfriend and girlfriend than mother and son. Rod himself would later admit that he saw his mother more as a friend than as a parent. Sandra would later describe her own parents as mentally and physically abusive, for the record. We'll talk more about her father later in the series. So back to Heather. One would hope that once Rod left Florida and put some distance between himself and Heather, she might come back to reality, but that's not what happened. She was described as living in a fantasy world. She saw little shadow people and heard voices. And while he was gone, living in Kentucky, 
Heather and Janine got into the habit of cutting themselves and drinking each other's blood. One night, Heather's sister Jennifer walked in on Heather cutting herself in her room. When she saw this, she decided to go ahead and confront Heather about a personal ad she'd seen in their local newspaper that she suspected Heather of being behind. It was an ad posted by a self-proclaimed vampire searching for other vampires in Eustace to hang out with. Heather admitted she had placed the ad. Jennifer relayed this information to her mother, who pleaded with Heather to go to counseling, but she refused. After that, unfortunately, their parents' attention turned mostly to Jennifer. Jennifer was a little older than Heather, and she was going through a stage where she was staying out past curfew, drinking, and hanging out with boys. So Heather's behavior seems to have gotten overlooked for the most part. Rod and Heather spoke on the phone frequently while they were apart. At some point, Rod offered for her to come live with him in Murray. She thought about it, and although she was interested in seeing the other places he had sworn he'd been, like Egypt or Paris, she was not interested in seeing Murray, Kentucky, so she stayed in Eustace for the time being. But as time passed, the promise of getting out of Eustace and starting a new adventure became more and more tempting. Remember, Rod was originally from Murray, so when he moved back with Sandra, he reconnected with friends from his childhood, including one boy named Scott Anderson. Scott was described as Rod's lackey. He would do whatever Rod asked. He also mimicked his behavior and his appearance. Scott had been a bit of an outcast, and he loved the game Vampire the Masquerade. So seeing that Rod had transformed into this all-knowing ancient vampire was really exciting for Scott. When Rod was high, which was often, he would tell his friends about his immortality and that he was the son of Satan. He said he'd been asleep for five centuries, but had grown restless. He said he was a French aristocrat in the 1400s, but had decided to come back this time as an American teenager. He chose America because Americans were greedy, corrupt, and destroying the planet, so he needed to build a youth army to fight back. Plus, he told everybody he had supernatural powers. Rod had also recently gotten word that there was a rival vampire clan in town led by a boy named Jaden. So Rod met up with Jaden and sort of turned him into his follower as well. Jaden introduced Rod to a group of Murray State University students who would meet up in one of their basements regularly to play a role-playing game called Vampire the Masquerade. If you're curious to learn more, you can search Vampire the Masquerade on the internet and get plenty of results. All you really need to know for the sake of this story is that it was a game where people would pretend to be vampires, hiding their identity from humans. Jaden warned Rod before they went to play the first time that the players were just a group of quote, wannabe vampires, and that Rod shouldn't try to actually get them to cut themselves or suck their blood. The game turned into an ongoing thing for Jaden and Rod for a while. Everyone took the game pretty seriously, and they even spent time trying to recruit new people to come play. Eventually, though, Rod became an unwelcomed guest at game night. 
The owner of the home where they would play was afraid that Rod was using it as a way to meet girls, give them LSD, and take advantage of them. There were also instances where he was trying to get people to cut themselves, and he was taking a lot of drugs himself. All this time he was back in Kentucky, Rod had reconnected with a girl named Charity Kessie. Charity was very into Rod, but Rod was kind of a player, and he even got engaged to another girl that he'd met at Vampire the Masquerade while Charity was out of state visiting family. Of course, when she got back into town, Rod broke things off with the other girl and immediately got back with Charity. Rod was having a hard time in school when he got back to Murray. He rarely showed up, and when he did, he always ended up getting into fights with students and teachers. He was also acting up at home. When Sandra met with the school's vice principal, she admitted that she was afraid of her son. He suggested she get the state involved, but she was afraid of the repercussions of that, too. She had been somewhat of an outcast herself growing up, so in that way, she felt for him. But in the summer of 1996, she did end up filing what was called a Beyond Parental Control Report. He was threatening her, using drugs, and participating in a satanic cult. She was supposed to bring Rod into court two weeks later, but they never showed up. There were other instances just like that, where Rod would agree to some sort of counseling or meeting but would not show up. Sandra would file reports and then take them back. Rehab was suggested, but she didn't want him to be away from her. To make matters worse, Jaden's mother, Penny Murphy, found love letters written by Sandra in Jaden's younger brother Jamie's possession. So to be really clear here, Sandra Sandra was writing extremely inappropriate letters to Rod's friend's 14-year-old brother. In the letters, she directly acknowledges that Jamie was underage, and in one, she gave him a key to her house. And it was kind of determined that her ultimate goal in writing these pornographic letters was to get closer to the group and become a part of her son's vampire clan. So to say there are some crazy family dynamics going on here would be a massive understatement. Sandra was formally charged for writing these letters, and we'll pick back up with this part later in the series. When Rod found out about the letters, he was mad, understandably so. He was so mad that apparently he felt like he needed to get out of town, or he just might kill her. So this is when the idea of leaving Murray really came to fruition. Rod made a plan. His friend Scott would drive them in Scott's Buick down to Florida to pick up his old friends Heather and Janine. They would bring along two girls from Kentucky, his on-again, off-again girlfriend Charity and another girl named Dana Cooper, who was 19 at the time but also an outcast looking for a friend group to fit in with. In the weeks leading up to their departure from Murray, Rod apparently tried to teach them all sorts of special skills, like telekinesis. They also all got tested for AIDS so that they could, quote, safely mix all their blood together in a cup and all drink from it so that they would be bonded. 
Charity was planning on telling Rod that she was pregnant with his child, even though she wasn't sure she actually was. She just had a feeling. See, Charity had a different plan. Rod wanted them all to go to New Orleans and live as one big happy vampire family. He told them they would live in a big mansion on Royal Street and that he'd introduce them to all his vampire friends there. But Charity wanted to ditch the rest of them there and then head out west with only Rod so that they could start a family and life together. Rod had told his Kentucky friends about the girls in Florida. He referred to them as his children. He also mentioned that he'd had a baby with Janine, but that they'd given it up for adoption. I can't find anything to substantiate this anywhere, for the record. Right before they left, Sandra called Scott's dad, suggesting they separate the boys for a while. But Scott couldn't be stopped. See, he had an interest in Florida by that point. He had been in contact with Heather for quite a while. Rod introduced them, and after that, they talked on the phone and sent letters back and forth in the mail. Scott had asked Heather to be his, quote, dark mate. Rod had also told Scott that her parents were hurting her and that they needed to get down there and save Heather. It's worth noting that Scott could not recall Heather herself ever saying anything bad about her parents. When he talked to her, she mostly talked about her obsession with death and wanting to be with Rod forever. I'm going to go ahead and read you one of the letters written from Scott to Heather. I think it's a good reminder that these people we're talking about were just teenagers. Dear Heather, I took the liberty to write you this letter in case you want to call me. As you know, I'm 1,017 years old. My mortal name is Howard Scott Anderson, and my mortal age is 16. I hate my mortal name, and I plan on disowning it soon. Oh, me and Rod are planning on taking you to see the wonders of the world, such as Paris, London, and many more foreign countries. My actual birthplace was Scotland. Sometimes I talk in a Scottish accent. I have a taste for the bagpipes. I like their bonny little tunes. My actual breed of vampire is called a dampire. It means psychic vampire. In other words, I feed off blood and souls of those who I choose to kill, but I haven't killed a person in almost 200 years. I was wondering if you would like to meet me sometime. I can easily arrange it. Maybe someday you'll have the chance to taste of my blood. As you see, I have cut myself and blood on this paper to show you that you should have no fear of me. As you said, my dear brother Rod has lost all humanity, but I can't because I'm half-human, half-vampire. I'm a person you have to keep an eye on because I like to play games with people's minds. You'll probably think I'm some sort of a freak. Many have called me that. They've even called me Lucifer at times. I'm a sword fighter, a man of deception and hatred, but I don't like to lie to people. I show no mercy to men. But you are not human, I take it, so you're safe. By the way, do you have a boyfriend? Rod told me he didn't know if you did. I'm a loner. With much regret, I've been searching the world over for a vampire. Then Rod told me of you and eased my inner turmoil. Well, I hope I haven't offended you in any way, but I must bid you farewell. I hope you write me soon. Your friend in darkness, Scott. So there's that. 
While Heather and Scott kept each other entertained as pen pals, Rod and Janine were still keeping in touch too. Janine had even sent Rod a map that showed the layout of the Wendorf home, which is where she wanted to be picked up when they came to take them away to New Orleans. See, the Wendorf's home was easier to sneak in and out of because they always kept their doors unlocked, unlike the LeClaire residence. According to Janine, her plan was to hitch a ride with Rod and his friends out of Eustis, Florida. Once they'd gotten out of the state, Janine wanted to part from the group and head out on her own to start a new life. She would give Heather the option to go with her or stay with Rod. Janine wanted to get away from her parents, whom she felt were overbearing. That's why she liked staying at the Wendorfs. They were kind and much more laid back. See, Janine's parents had found a stack of letters written by Rod, and we can only imagine the contents of those letters. So, of course, they banned her from communicating with him, which naturally only made teenage Janine want to see him more. Rod and his friends arrived in Florida in late November 1996. When they first arrived, they stopped at another girl's house to clean up. Her name was Shannon, and she was an old friend of Rod's, although she was surprised when she saw Rod's appearance. He looked way different than he did the last time she'd seen him, and she got a bad vibe from Rod and his friends right off the bat. So she let them in to freshen up, and Rod called both the girls to make plans with them, and then she told them they had to leave. One interesting detail from this interaction with Shannon is that apparently Scott mentioned to her that he felt like he'd been kidnapped by Rod and that Rod was using him for his car, but that he was, quote, okay with it. He also asked her if she ever played Vampire the Masquerade. She had not. Rod told the girls, uh, Janine and Heather, to hurry up and get ready. This caught Heather a little off guard. It sounds like she thought she'd have more time. But she quickly packed up some of her things, and she spent a few minutes on the couch with her dad, and then she went and sat in the other room with her mom. She stole $50 from the house, and then she called her current boyfriend, Jeremy, to let him know that she had to leave. Apparently, she told Jeremy that she had to go, that Rod would probably kill her parents if she didn't. Jeremy hated this side of Heather. The more she got into the vampire cult stuff, the more he wanted to break up with her. At first, when he learned she was leaving, he felt like this would be the perfect opportunity. He didn't have to break things off because she was leaving. But the more he thought about it, the more worried he became about the circumstances, so he asked her to come by his apartment. So Heather got in the car with Charity and Dana, who were driving Scott's Buick. Scott and Rod had gotten out at some point and were still hanging around Heather's house. Heather allegedly believed that Rod and Scott were somehow on their way to pick up Janine. So Heather, Charity, and Dana drove the Buick to Jeremy's apartment, where he begged and pleaded with her not to leave with them. The truth, though, was that Rod and Scott were letting themselves into the Wendorf's unlocked garage, where Rod informed Scott that he would take care of Heather's dad, while Scott would be responsible for taking out Heather's mom. Stay tuned for part two of the Rod Farrell story, where I'll talk about what happens once Rod and Scott enter the Wendorf home. 
If you have a topic suggestion for a future episode or I need to make a correction, you can send an email to kyhistoryhaunts at gmail.com. Also, be sure to leave a review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe wherever you listen. Thanks so much, and until next time.